following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to the seventh episode of Create Your Shot. This week, Smalls and I talk to former Providence Friar John Linehan. John is currently an assistant coach at Hartford University in the America East Conference. John had one of the best defensive careers in the history of the NCAA. He's still the all-time leader in steals over a career. He was two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year and one-time National Defensive Player of the Year. He was also two-time second-team All-Big East. He had a 12-year pro career overseas, with the majority of that being in France. Uh, We listened to some unbelievable stories like playing AAU basketball with Kobe Bryant and Richard Hamilton. Uh, who's the better Chester, Pennsylvania alum, he or Jameer Nelson? We hear his opinion on the best high school programs in Philly. But I think mainly the best thing is, is listening to John's journey as a coach and how he has the same journey as anybody trying to make it. Comes back from being a player and, and he's a graduate assistant making no money, having to go to class and having to mop the floors just like the rest of the managers. So as always, we're at Create Your Shot on Twitter, at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook. And create your shot at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with us. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought of John. Let us, let us know what you think Smalls and I are doing well. We've got some giveaways coming up too. You have to be a follower on Instagram or Twitter, but we'll talk more about those in the coming weeks. But we're going to give away things to our listeners who uh, interact on social media and leave iTunes comments. But as always... We're having an absolute blast doing this. Thank you so much for listening. This week, John Linehan, assistant coach at Hartford University. back this week and last week we took a trip off the court into the classroom with Dr. Doug Polster and this week we're back on the hardwood with a really a college basketball legend uh, John Linehan who played at Providence and he's still today the NCAA all-time leader in steals uh, and he was pretty pretty funny uh, he, you know he, he's a guy that He's 5'7", 5'8", and he was NCAA Defensive Player of the Year, and I think in, in the late 1990s, maybe 2000. And he played overseas for 12 years, and he, he grew up in a bad area, Chester, Pennsylvania. And it was really interesting to hear about a guy like him who came from nothing, going to college, playing professionally for 12 years, and now coming back and taking the typical graduate assistant work for no money, volunteer assistant to finally this year being an on the floor, like paid assistant at an America East school at Hartford. So I, I, I loved it. Um, we say that about all our guests and, and I feel bad when we do, because I feel like the guests are just like, ah, man, they say that about everybody. But like, it's just fun to talk to different guys like this because like John had every reason to be big time and, and be like, you know, I don't have a lot of time cause it's a Sunday night and they just had a scrimmage. But like, Smalls, he was he was a great dude. Yeah. 
I, th- I mean, I think John, like having a guy like that on is the coolest part about it is hearing the stories, right? I mean, we hear about in this episode, Kobe Bryant, uh, like playing against Tim Thomas and Rip Hamilton on his AU team. We kind of joke about Jameer Nelson and where they come from. But John has these different stories, these different experiences. But throughout all of that, he's remained, and we talk about this a lot, and it's so difficult, but remain the same person, the same guy. And he's an easy guy to talk to, to interact with. And I thought that was the best part about the whole entire interview, which is it was an interaction. Yeah. And, and like for the guests, you know, you, you kind of get the idea that, that we know John a little bit beforehand. I don't know. Smalls might have met him once. I, I, I know him decently well through my time working in event operation for Elevate Hoops because John wanted to work for us. Like, you know, he, he didn't need to make any money, but he wanted to make it in coaching. So he did the same thing as everybody else. And, I, and we bring this up in the interview, but we originally didn't want to have former players on. And I think that we kind of really screwed that up because former players, like he said, you got to work really hard. It's great. Coaches know who you are. And they remember like, oh, John Linehan, he was a tough son of a bitch. Like he could really defend. But when it came down to it, everybody's saying like, I'll do whatever I can to help you. And at the end of the day, when he was like, hey, I need a job, it wasn't really out there. There were only a couple opportunities. And so he went from being a a, 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 a champion in France for pro A all first team, making a lot of money as a, a very good European player to going to grad school with other graduate students, yeah. just like I did. And just like Smalls did like going to class and making no money, you know, and, and mopping the floor. And, and that part of this was really, it's different. And it, it's a story about kind of staying humble, like you said, Smalls and making sure nobody is, is too small and, and that you can listen and talk to everybody. And we do, we hear a lot of names because John's got a great story. But the other thing too, about coaching, that's really, really funny is, they had a secret scrimmage today, so make sure you don't tell anybody about it. But Hartford played Brown, and John's phone goes off about 10 times in the interview because it's 9 o'clock on a Sunday night, and, and their, their head coach, wants John Gallagher, wants to talk about the scrimmage. He wants to hear his opinions. And so, like, for people who, you know, maybe they're thinking about, like, hey, coaching is what I want to do, like, understand that it, it's 24-7, 365. Like, when your coach wants to talk to you about the scrimmage and, and how you played, then on a Sunday night when the – Patriots are playing the Falcons like mute the TV and, and you give them your opinion and, and that's why it's funny because everybody's the same like and that's kind of what I've learned so far honestly is that every, everybody's the same like you're on the same track as somebody else and like that's where this has been so much fun and this has been so interesting Smalls like to me because I mean we've had a lot of, I'll admit it like I had a lot of preconceived notions and when we decided we wanted to do this we wanted to help out and and you know kind of get the message out there about how to make it and and basketball is obviously what we knew about but man it's been different it's been it's been so interesting to talk to different people and like John's was was funny and it was a little bit more laid back and he's just kind of like a dude you know like like we joked with Kristen Lapis like Steve Adazio's got dudes like that's John Linehan right Smalls like he's just a dude Exactly. And I hope uh, we don't, you know, I don't hit hoopdirt.com tomorrow and see an opening at Hartford because uh, John Linehan <laughs> missed about 35 calls during that <laughs> podcast. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I think you bring up a great point. The I just wanted to mention this too. Like John Linehan, he talks about learning. There being like a totally different learning experience, right? Of how to be a coach and not be a workout guy. He had to learn so many different things. I think so many times 
those former players or might get, be given a position and they might not be ready for it. But I think John's been given that opportunity where he's been taking his time and learning. Uh, he talks about watching film, you know, into the wee hours of the morning and not missing stuff. Like he was a great player and a point guard, but there's a lot of different elements to coaching. I think he's really learning that and uh, improving day by day too. Yeah. So I would say that the one, other takeaway that we didn't talk about is that he's not in the Providence Hall of Fame yet, even though he's the NCAA all-time leader in steals. So we're starting a petition, right, Smalls? We're going to get that out there on social media. I believe it's change.org or something like that. <laughs> we're going to. I'm, I'm currently researching how to start a petition for that. We're going to blow it up on social media, get everyone to retweet it, blah, blah, blah. Big time. We'll be down there for Providence. So we're gonna get, we, we want to get John Linehan into the Providence the Hall of Fame. And and more than anything, we we want to we really want to say how much we want to support John and, and whatever he wants to do. Like I said, he's an assistant at Hartford now, and I think the sky's the limit. You know, he's he's grinded a lot, and it's just he's a great dude. And so for us, uh, check out that petition on our Twitter at Create Your Shot. Also, we'll have it on Facebook, Create Your Shot, and probably something on Instagram at Create Your Shot Pod. As always, we're createyourshot at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us. We are going to start doing uh, a few giveaways in the next couple weeks, uh, so stay tuned for that. But that's something we've been talking about, so we're going to do some giveaways here in the future. But you got to be a follower on social media to, to hear about them. And then beyond that, as always, uh, thanks a bunch for listening. Like, you know, we wouldn't be doing what we do if we didn't have people tuning in. So thank you so much, and everybody enjoy John Linehan. All right, welcome John Linehan. Uh, Smalls and I are stunned that this is actually happening. This is a guy that we've been wanting to get on for a while, one of the best defenders in the history of the NCAA, one of the best players in the old Big East, played at Providence. So, John, you're an assistant at Hartford now. I know you had a scrimmage today, but how are things going now that the school year started, now that you guys are practicing? You know, what's your feel for your team this year? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. First, it's an honor to be on this this podcast with you guys you know Tyler you're my guy Smalls so it's uh uh it's gonna be fun but uh as far as the team you know I'm excited to get started you know it's been a long time uh you know Gal is a, he's really intense really passionate you know so he's been waiting licking his chops since you know their last game in March you know so it's it's been fun so we finally you know had a had a scrimmage today against Brown uh they're really tough you know so it was good to get out there and uh go up against a different uh, opponent besides yourself during practice. We should, we should tell our listeners that these are secret scrimmages, so you can't really talk about them. So, you know, in case anyone asks you, like, about Hartford and Brown, like, you guys don't know that it happened. Uh, but this is your first year at Hartford. Uh, you were assistant at Brown, actually, last year, and then I think you were assistant ops at Drexel, and you were a GA at Temple after you finished your playing career. But you were, like, a, you were a great college player, and you were a really good, great player overseas. When, when did you decide that you were going to be a basketball coach? Like, is uh, that no, something you always wanted that, to do? Man. That's <laughs> a lot. That's, that's a lot of compliments you give, you give me right now, brother. But, uh, you know, um, you said what? When, when did I realize? That you were going to coach. Like, when did you decide, like, when I'm done playing, I want to get into coaching? Yeah, I mean, that was something that I always wanted to do, you know, ever since I was younger. You know, I always kind of work with kids, even in college, you know, in Providence, I used to work with uh, the local kids in the area, um, used to work them out and, you know, used to have them come over to practice and we talk basketball. Uh, but towards the end of my career, you know, I, I kind of knew that that was, you know, obviously the, the, the natural, the next natural step for me in my, uh, 
you know, make that jump into coaching. So, I mean, it's, it was, it was kind of natural. How about the transition from playing, which is all you had done for, you know, what, probably 35 years, 30 years, and then going back and being a graduate assistant and like a volunteer assistant, like just all of a sudden you, you go from being a guy who's probably really important to a guy who's the bottom of the totem pole. Wow, so I'm not important. You killing me right now. Man, that's, that's what I do though, because now you, know, you kill me. <laughs> well, I'm serious, because like think about it. You're a point guard, like you you know, you're a big time team leader, and then you go back and as a graduate assistant, like they, they want you out there rebounding and stuff. Like you're in coaches' meetings, but your opinion it, it, it get listened to, but it's it's not the most important opinion in the room anymore. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I was fortunate enough to 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 be on the staff with uh with Coach Dunphy and uh at and those guys over at Temple, you know, so I knew I wanted, I mean, it's, it's tough to get into business. So you have to start at the bottom. You know, I was never a guy that was, uh, you know, that was too big for my britches or had a big ego, you know. So, you know, I was willing to do whatever it took to uh, to get my foot in the door, you know. So, sure, I mean, I did everything from from mop floors to 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 everything, everything over there with Dunf. But it was, a you know, a hell of an experience, man, learning from a future Hall of Famer, you know, so. And then next year I was in ops with with another future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, uh, in Bruiser, Bruiser Flint. You know, so man, I've been I've been fortunate. John, are you in the Providence Hall of Fame? I need to be. Why no, don't you make yet, a call for yet. me? <laughs> well, we're we're yeah, gonna hey. we're gonna run a campaign for you, John. Well, yeah, I'm gonna should. I'm gonna post all over social media for you. <laughs> <laughs> what's it What's it like like coming back? Obviously, being successful overseas, you're making like maybe no money and then you're going to class with these young guys these grad grad students what's that like what's that transition like transition was tough man you know like you said i mean you go from you know as a professional you know you're making money you know living living life and and you know doing whatever you want pretty much to 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 grinding you know what i mean but like i said it was it was something that I wanted to do. It was a sacrifice that I had to make, you know, in order to uh, to get my foot in the door. But it's tough, man. It's not for everybody. Everybody can 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 hack it, you know. But um, you know, I know what my goals are, which is to become a head coach someday. But you know, I have to uh, go step by step. Spe- speaking of hacking it, I should say that at one point, Dwayne Killings, uh, who's an assistant at UConn, called me when I was working at Elevate Hoops. And said that John was looking to make a little bit of extra money over the summer and meet some people and wanted to work at one of our events in Staten Island. So I remember John's name. I don't. I don't think we had met at this point. Actually, maybe we met in passing once or twice. But, but I remembered you because you were, you know, like I said, a good college player and somebody I saw on TV. And then John pulled up to College of Staten Island in like a, you know, an E-class Mercedes. And I was like, man, this guy wants to make seventy-five dollars this weekend. Like he needs to come out here and make money. Look, so for, off, for our it, listeners, it was the S class. You know, don't, don't, <laughs> get it, don't get it messed up. But but what I'm saying is I really appreciate that because you wanted to come out there and, and work for guys that you didn't really know, running a site and, and talking to coaches, talking to AAU coaches and really go out there and network when like maybe you didn't have to do that, you know, but you took that as like a weekend. I think you worked two straight events for us, worked for us in the summer and stuff and and so, like, that was the part where I was like, man, this guy, he gets it. Because a lot of times, like, especially, and I'll admit it, and, and Smalls will probably say that I'm lying, but when we first started talking about this podcast, I was like, I don't know how many former players I want to have on because their road's not that hard. Right. But, like, for you, 
I mean, you made no money. You and I had the same situation when you went back in. Like, I was a graduate assistant, and I went to class every day, and, and I'd mop floors, and you were a graduate assistant, you went to class, and I drove a Honda Civic, and you drove a Mercedes, but but really, like, it's the same deal, and so, you know, I, I appreciate that part about your journey, and I think that's what people got to understand, especially young coaches. Man, the people that, have, that are already in the positions you want to be in, 99% of them had to go through what you're going through right now, right? right. Like you, you probably deal with managers and, and guys all the time, and they think like Linehan had it so easy, but it's not that way. No, not at all, man. It's, it's, it's a grind, man, and, and everybody has to do it. Some, sometimes guys get lucky and can get right in, but, you know, for the most part, man, you got to get out there and, and you got to hustle and you got to meet a lot of people and network and, and do whatever it takes to get in. You know, even for myself, you know, having played in the Big East and, and played professional and done and have had the career that I've had, you know, I still had to come in. You know, I a lot of people would answer my calls, but when it comes time for them to to, to give me a job, you know, that's all you hear. Anything I can do, I, you know, anything, you know, if I could do anything, let me know. So, but when you call them and, and, and call them on it, they don't pick it up, you know. They don't they don't pick up the call. So, but um, you know, so I'm grinding, man. Just just kind of, you know, uh, you know, meeting new people and 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 you know, growing my network and just just meeting new contacts and hopefully one day uh, I'll be where I want to be. John, do you think uh, your playing career kind of prepared you that way? Your mindset, because for our listeners, like. You're not a tall guy. You're not a big guy, but you were a tenacious defender. You were a hard worker. Um, that's how you kind of made your bones. And then you were this great player in the Big East. Do you think that con- conditioned you your whole life? Because you were always undersized, so you always had to kind of fight, work harder than the next guy. Well, is that I mean, that's, that help? That's kind of a a mentality or a mindset of where I'm from. You know what I mean? Like I'm from, you know, one of probably one of the roughest cities. In the in the in the country, you know, in Chester, Pennsylvania, you know what I mean. Just as far as you know, the poverty level, uh, you know, drugs, crime, you know what I mean. So, you know, having come out of that environment can only make you stronger, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know. No, no, I understand. I, I actually I'm on the Jameer Nelson Foundation board, so I talk to Jameer a lot, and you know, he he says he's the best player to come out. He's but a who? but I, I, I didn't hear you. You broke up. He said he might be the best player to come out of Chester. He's pretty confident in that. Uh, and you know, I, you know, Jameer's my guy. You know, we go, we go way, way back. But we need to get on a three-way. Can you, can you patch him into this? <laughs> we'll, we'll get that. That'll be a uh, pay-for episode. <laughs> but no, no, we're, we're, man. Our city is is super proud of Jameer. You know, uh, the things that he's done. You know, being the first NBA player to come out of Chester is, is is phenomenal. You know, so so we should tell listeners Chester, PA. You know, a little bit out of twenty miles south of Philly, maybe John. That's about yeah, right. About 10, ten miles, miles, yeah, 10 miles south, south of Philly. Philly. And, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson is you know playing for the Brooklyn Nets, also from Chester. They these guys all went to Chester High School. Like they don't lose a lot. Tariq, Tariq of, yeah, they don't lose a lot of guys to private schools. There's a lot of pride in playing for Chester High School. I, I think uh, Larry Yarbrough was the head coach for a long time. I actually think he passed away. No, no, away, no, right? was no, no. Pick it, pick it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Red. I, but I, I think that like Chester, 
like, can we talk about your recruiting ex- a, a little bit, like, and how you played AAU and, and kind of how you were recruited? I know you went to prep school, right? You went to Winchenden for your fifth year, and you played. Did you play for Sam Rines in high school? Sam Rines All Stars. Yeah. Played with Sam Rines. Played with uh, Kobe Bryant was on that team. Uh, Rip Hamilton was on that team. Uh, Jimmy Dillon was on that team. No, but um, no, like I, I wasn't highly recruited at all coming out of high school. Uh, my biggest. Well, I had some me act like Coppin and and Howard, and I actually signed to go to Howard. But um, you know, I never forget my dad was taking me up to uh to the train station because I had to be to Howard like the next day for school. And um, you know, we just sat at 30th Street Station, and he asked me, uh, you know, was this really what I wanted to do? So I sat there and I said I wasn't sure. So we missed that train. You know, the next train came. You know, we still sitting there talking. Missed that one. And uh, you know, I just kept thinking about all the other guys that that I played with in the city, you know the uh, you know the Martin Inglesby's and and you know all the other guys that was going big time. And I'm just like, man, I'm just as good as those guys, you know. And I I have a lot of respect for Martin Inglesby, you know, a great coach now. You know, he was a heck of a player at Notre Dame. But I was just like, man, I can play with right with those guys, you know what I mean? So my dad was like, look, let's just go on home and uh, we'll figure it out. You know, we didn't have a plan, you know, but uh, I believed in myself and my dad believed in me. You know, we had to do a little convince for my mother. He was like, <laughs> my mom was just so happy that I had a scholarship and she didn't have to pay for school. You know, so when um, when we went back home, my dad said, look, stay out of the house. Don't come back in the house. I'm going to take care of your mom. So I stayed out for about five, six hours. <laughs> I came back in, my mom was crying, you know, you can see that she had the tears on, you know, tears in her, her eyes and, you know, so she was like, this is what we're doing and, you know, you got to believe it and, and it ended up working out good for me. So, John, you're an assistant coach now and you probably recruit a lot of kids that are that are similar to you that you, you get some steals, right? What do you what would you do if one of those kids called you and was like, coach? I'm at the I'm at 30th Street Station. I can't get on this I can't get on this train. I'm I'm going to prep school. <laughs> no, I mean it's 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 happened. You know, it's it's and it's it's hard for me to say. Like, I mean, this same thing happened to me. Uh, I was recruiting this kid this summer. And um, you know, I really wanted to come. He's a great shooter. You know, I thought he'd be he would be great for us here at Hartford. And um he at the very end he said, you know what, I'm 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 gonna go to prep school. So I can't you know, first off, I'm I'm a former player, you know, but then I had the same thing happen to me. So I can't, you know, I'll be a hypocrite if I say, look, this is a terrible idea. You know what I mean? Because these kids are just following their dreams, you know, just like I did. So, you know, uh, I hope it doesn't happen too often, you know, because we, we would love to kind of, you know, get a couple of those steals. But, you know, I, I can't fault them for, for living their dream or following their dream. Speaking of that, like living your dream, your playing career after Providence, I mean, you played all over the world, right? I know you spent the most of the time, most of your time, I think, in France. Yeah. But I mean, you were in the CBA. I think you played for the Globetrotters for a year. Yep. I think you were in like Estonia. Yeah. You know, what What was what was it like? You know, I, I, and your wife is from France, right? I'm That's sorry. where you ended. Okay. So, yeah. but what was it like trying to carve out a career? I think you were second team all Big East the last two years of your career, right? Yeah, and NCAA Defensive Player of the Year. So, yeah. so two you probably times, went two times. Come on, keep it going, man. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, so, you're right. Right. Yeah, so, 
you probably went, so you probably were on, you know, you, you probably got some looks right from NBA teams, yep. but obviously, you know, it didn't work out. So when you finally were like, okay, I'm going to play professional basketball. What's it like going year to year and like just, just playing all over the country and trying to meet as many people as possible? Like what's that experience like? Yeah. Well, the toughest probably two years were, were right after college, you know, because, you know, you think about you, you know, as, as you're growing up, you think about how you're going to play in the NBA, you're going to get drafted and, and, you know, you're going to live a great life, you know, and then, you know, you know, I was in camp with uh, Utah in, in camp with, uh, with, with the Clippers, you know, in the summer league. And all of a sudden, you don't know what the next step is, you know. So, you know, that's, that's pretty tough. You know, then I went to, uh, I was in the NBDL uh, down in uh, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. You know, that was, a, that was a tough experience, you know, because it's down, you know, the, it was only the second year of the, uh, the D-League's existence. and you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I, what I, what I was hoping for. You know, I didn't have a great experience. Then I was in the CBA, you know, uh, that was, that was a social experience. And then I was with the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, but I know I still wanted to play real basketball, you know, then um, once I got to France, that's when I kind of knew what my path would be. You know, I knew I, I could see long as I continue to get better and continue to, to, to produce over there, I can make a really good living for myself, which, which is what I did. You know, I did, uh, I played uh, nine years over there and then one year in Estonia, you know, and I was, I was, I'm fortunate, man. You know, I'm five, I say I'm 5'11". So. No chance, no chance. 5'8", right? That's the best line I've heard. I sound 5'8". Right. I sound 6'9". But uh, you know, I'm, I'm about five seven, five eight. You know what I mean. And I was able to play twelve years professional basketball. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm proud of that. I wish I could have, you know, uh, fulfilled my my goal of playing in the NBA for you know many years, just like Jameer did. Um, but it wasn't for me, you know. And now I'm now I'm starting a different career path. So, I'm I'm content with that. How about being a kid from Chester, Pennsylvania, living in France? Like, how about the culture shock of, of that? I mean, how, were you always pretty open-minded to stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, well, you figure, you know, I haven't been in Chester since uh, since I was 18. You know, once I uh, once I graduated, I went to, now the, the real culture shock was going to Winchester, Massachusetts. Now, you're talking about a culture shock? Man, it was nothing up there but one McDonald's. It was a, uh, a pool hall in town. And the rest was was the sticks, you know what I mean? Um, so that was probably the, the biggest culture shock. It was cold, you know, it was snowing all the time. Um, i never forget when my mom came up for, uh, for Christmas, around Christmas time, and she came up with my aunt. And uh, I started crying when she was leaving, man. I'm like, Mom, please bring me home with you. You know, so, uh, you know, but I got through it. Why'd you pick Winchenden, John? Actually, um, I was supposed to go to MCI. Max Good was the head coach at the time. You know, you know, wild, fiery coach. Man, he's a great guy. You know, so he recruited me up there. Uh, and it was late because, like I said, I was supposed to go to Howard. So the decision happened pretty late. So they didn't have, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of money for me. Was that Jameer? Was that yeah, Jameer? Should we yeah. answer it and talk to him? <laughs> 
So they didn't have a lot of money uh, to, to give, and then you know my family didn't have you know a, you know a whole lot of money. So uh, yeah, that's Jameer calling in. <laughs> put your phone, put your phone right. <laughs> But um, uh, so they they didn't have a whole lot of money for me, so I got a better package. You know Scott Spinelli, who's uh, the the associate head coach at Boston College now. He was the uh, he was the coach at that time up at Winchester, you know. So, but oddly enough, two days before I get to Winchester, he left for uh, for Wyoming. So it was another surprise for me. Then uh, you know Mike Burns, who's a great great friend of mine now, was there, and uh, that was an adventure in itself with him during during that time. Yeah, Smalls and I know Mike right. Burns quite well <laughs> from our, our time with the Hoop Group. Burns is a just a yeah. great dude, like yeah. an all-timer, yeah. you know? So kind of shifting it back to France and then to the U.S., I mean, you have, you have a family, and you spend a lot of time over in France, Estonia, like you talked about, away from the U.S. What's it like coming back with a family, uh, raising a family, and, you know, having those priorities as a husband? Just because I don't think people realize, coaches, I mean – it's a, 20 hours a day it's coaching but then there's that other part there's the personal life so how do you kind of balance how did you balance it in France and then bring him over to the U.S. uh well in France you know it was it was pretty easy you know obviously uh you know with her being uh French you know um you know she kind of just held held the, the household down and and did a great job you know raising my son you know so it was easy so you know I took care of the basketball part and she took care of the uh you know the uh the household part, you know what I mean. So it was a, it was a good uh it was a good balance, you know. And that was something you know as a as a foreigner, you know, being there, you know, it uh, I really needed it, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like someone who could kind of balance everything out for me. Yeah. Um. That's but since I've been back, you know, they they're actually still in France, you know. So my son and so I've been here here by myself for for a while now. Um. And that's that's really tough, you know, being without you know my son. You know, he comes during the during the summer. And um, and spends time, but it's just a tough situation. Would you would you consider taking like a a job over there as a as a foreign coach, like for a, a team in uh, I can't even what is it Serie A or Series A maybe is the top league pro, in France? Pro A, oh, pro yeah, a. yeah, Pro A. Like, would you do something like that, or you really want to work in college? I really want to work in college. You know, um, my 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 first objective was the NBA. You know, that's kind of what I set out for um, when I first came over, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, doing some things with the Sixers, uh, you know, a couple summers, a couple summers ago, um, but nothing really materialized with that. You know, so, um, you know, but college is where I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm kind of, you know, making my mark now as far as kind of moving up in the business and, you know, trying to learn as much as I can. You know, and then, uh, like I said, hopefully uh, one day I have my shot. Yeah, I want to talk about that for a second. And I know uh, this is kind of weird for people that aren't in the business to listen to. But a lot of former players, uh, especially really good former players, are considered to be like awesome guys on the floor, like really good workout guys. But you're a really, like you're a good X's and O's guy. And, and I don't say that lightly. I've given you way more compliments in the last 30 <laughs> minutes than I've probably yeah, ever given ever you did, in the time right. that we yeah. <laughs> I'm going to exit but, this interview and let right. you guys get it work together. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you, you're a really good note taker and things like that. Like, well, how was it, like, learning? You know, because being a point guard, obviously you see the game at a high level, you know, you'd think. And, and, but being able to 
scout and watch film and, and kind of pick guys apart and learn from other guys and not just be classified as a workout guy? Like, how has that been for you? Well, I mean, it's, it's been, it's, 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 it's been interesting. It's an interesting process, um, you know, going from a player to a coach, you know, um, and then going from a workout guy to a coach because it's a big difference. Everybody think, you know, everyone thinks because you work guys out, you know, that you're a coach, you know, and, you know, there's some, some truth to it, but, you know, it's a big difference. Um, but Lloyd Pierce, who's the, who's the assistant coach for, uh, for the Sixers, he told me, um, you know, we met for about 45 minutes and, you know, kind of went over film with things that he does with the Sixers. And that was the one thing that he said that I should get away from is, is the workout guy piece. Don't be known as a workout guy. You know, like you want to be a coach. You know what I mean? Like you want to be able to break down film and, and, and come up with a game plan and, 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 you know, have more value than, than a workout guy. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. It's funny you heard that from Lloyd Pierce, who is a really good assistant coach with the Sixers, because I remember the first year Brett Brown was there that that was what people were saying about Lloyd Pierce, that he was awesome on the floor and he was really, really good with young guards, like really good skill development. So it's really funny. I think, you know, the guys get these reputations as as you know, a workout guy or just a recruiter or just a scout, like an X's and O's guy, like when in reality, like building a staff is you want to get the best of everything and blend it together. So, I mean, I think that's funny that you got that from Lloyd Pierce because I remember watching him work with Michael Carter Williams and like just seeing him, the way that he taught guys down to like the tiniest detail was so impressive. Like, you know, like footwork and stuff. And I just remember thinking like, man, you have, I have so much to learn. And, and you'd think as a former player, like you just get right off, you know, the, you step off the court and onto the bench and you know all those things. But even like that part is really hard, I, I would imagine. Yeah, it really is. I mean, but, you know, going back to Lloyd, I mean, he's he's great, man. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, their whole staff, like Billy Lang, who's who's a ment who's, a, you know, my one of my mentors in, in the business. You know, uh, those they're great on the floor with the guys, man. They're like great basketball minds. You know what I mean? So you can learn so much just by sitting there and talking to them and how they see the game and how they break everything down. You know, so like I said, man, I'm, I'm still a sponge. You know, I'm still learning a lot. You know, uh, I talk with uh, Dwayne Killings a lot about basketball, and you know, so any any little nugget I can get from anybody, man, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get it. This this is a good nugget. When you do interviews, put your phone on silent. Hey, honestly, that this is a uh, gal. This is a uh, gal. So we just we had just had the scrimmage, so he's like, "Call me, man. I want I want your thoughts on the game." So <laughs> he's blown. Tell, tell, tell him you're doing a really. Oh man! We're really popular podcast, and we're gonna make heart for basketball. We're gonna increase season tickets and right. see how he feels about that. I know he'd love it. He'd love it then. <laughs> Yo, John, real quick, getting back, kind of, you said you set out first was the NBA was the goal, and it wasn't kind of working, and now you're kind of making your mark in college. I think a good, an interesting thing from that, and just kind of get your perspective is. What was your, what's been your networking strategy and how has that kind of evolved as you've gotten older, as you've gone through your experiences? Well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I've always been a guy that, that's, that, you know, uh, easy to meet people. You know, I wasn't afraid to go up and, and introduce myself to anybody. You know what I mean? I've always been open in that regard. Um, but, you know, the more and more you're in front of people, 
the more they see you out there and, and working and, and, you know, you bump rubbing elbows with certain guys, you know, it, it naturally grows. You know what I mean? Like when people know my story, what I, where, where I've come from, you know, my professional background and, you know, you just, you know, it, it just spreads like a wildfire, sort of, so to speak, you know? So it's just the, the most important thing is just being visible, being visible, being open and letting people know what you want to do. Yeah, and I think that one thing that people should take from from your story is that, like, you weren't bigger than anybody. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't come back with any preconceived notions about, like, what your job was going to be like and then, you know, how you were going to do it. Because, like I said, like, I like people to think that I'm a super, I'm an expert, right? But the bottom line was, like, I was an event operator for a company that, you know, we had a lot of coaches in the gym and people knew who I was, but I wasn't anybody really important. And, like, for you to walk in the gym and just... Be like, hey, what do I have to do? And the only thing you asked in return was like, you wanted a polo shirt to, to wear around. So you had some credibility. So like that type of thing of, of making sure that like nobody's too big or nobody's too small, you know, like that's really important for young guys, I think, to understand. Yeah, but like you, you just got a polo that was too big. So but I, it's, it's not my fault. Yeah, four four oh, I was, like, was going to say. We didn't have any extra small. <laughs> I was a... <laughs> I was an assistant at Philly U and I got up to Staten Island to recruit and I was like, Hey, like and Tyler was like, dude, John Linehan is an awesome worker. And Tyler's right. a guy who's never going to lie to your and face. I'm usually I was like, running, you're, you're, you're you're running, running around the gym. I'm like, this guy's usually pretty negative. He's I'm a, usually pretty negative. <laughs> yeah, he's always negative at those events. He's yeah. like, I don't want to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He was like complimenting. Now, you, but one so thing that, about that Tyler, man is, is, you know, when I when I first met him, is just how knowledgeable he was about a lot of different things. You know what I mean? He knew all the players. He knew their backgrounds. He knew uh, who was who in, as, in the coaching world. You know what I mean? So he was like a, a really good resource for me, uh, you know, especially when I first got started. You know, and I still bounce stuff off from, you know, if I, if I could ever get a hold of him. But uh, you know, you big time now, you know, big time podcast and all that. You know what I mean? Uh, it's funny when we were trying to get John on the show, he canceled fourteen different times. But he, he did have it. But we did have it. We did have time to have a thirty-five minute conversation about his recruiting like process at Hartford. But anyway, so I, we'll, we'll keep this moving. So, so Gal doesn't think you passed right. out. Uh, what are your ultimate your ultimate career goal now is is to be a head coach how do you think your process to get there has changed since you came back i'm still trying to figure it out you know um like i said i'm it's about networking and and you know learning from different coaches and kind of trying to piece together my philosophy and then you know when i feel ready to uh to make that next step that's when i'm going to start being you know kind of you know, putting myself out there in that regard, you know what I mean? But right now it's, it's just learning as much as I can, uh, learning how to do, learn, you know, learning to be a, a, a good recruiter, learning to be, you know, a good guy on the floor, learning to to uh, articulate my points better, you know what I mean? Um, and then when I have all these different aspects of coaching together, then that's when I'll be ready to uh, to take that next step, I think. All right, so we're gonna do we're gonna do some segments, just three like short things we do with everybody. Uh, the first one we do with all coaches is called coach speak. Okay, so we take quotes, two quotes from two different coaches that we might think are a little weird or, or stupid, and you tell us if they are stupid or what you think about them. Okay, you got it. 
All right, so this one is this one I picked out, and I've had this one in the holster for a while. This is from Butch Jones, uh, the Tennessee football coach. He, he's probably not going to be the Tennessee football coach for much longer, but we'll, we'll see. But last week he said, you don't have to be physical to get a reputation. You can get a leadership reputation. So my thing is, at some point, like you can be a great leader, but what if you're not a good player? Like what, what does he mean when he says you can get a leadership reputation, but you don't have to have a physical reputation? Well, I mean, I, I look at it as – you know, when you have guys that are walk-ons on the team, you know, like, they can be leaders on the team without playing. You know what I mean? Like, they can kind of be the uh, a vocal leader or, or a spiritual leader, you know, whatever they can be. So that's how, that's how I would take it, just guys that they don't have to be players or they don't have to be uh, – be physically in the game to be leaders. Do you think that's harder to do, John? As a guy who was one of the best, I'm sure every single team you're on, you're one of the best players, if not the best player. You know, typically you want your best player to also be your best leader, but I know that that's not the case. But when, I mean, do you do you see that? Or, or do you think that you've got to be, you know, a three or four year guy and have a really good culture around the program for a guy who's maybe not a great player to be the best leader? I mean, believe it or not, man, it's, you know, if, if you look at, um, that Temple team that won 20, that went to the Final Four to NIT, you know, Will, I thought Will Cummings was 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 a great leader. Or or he was a great player, I'm sorry. You know, like he uh on the floor, you know, he was he he did so many things, but he wasn't a vocal leader. You know what I mean? So there were other guys on the team that were actually, I thought, better leaders than him, you know, who 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 didn't get as many, as many minutes or even plays at all. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. I do. You know, so I think, like, you know, going back to the walk-on uh, example, you know, if, like we have a walk-on on our team. Um, you know, he's a senior. You know, he's – I call him a rebel. You know, but he's the guy that, that steps up and, you know, when guys are, are, you know, slacking in practice or their effort is not there, he's the one that steps up and, and gets in their ass. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying as as far as – it can be done, you know, uh, but obviously you want your best player to be the, uh, to be the leader on the floor, on the team. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we're going to hop to the next coach speak. So we have Bears coach John Fox. Um, he's talking about the first NFL start for Mitchell Trubisky, the rookie. Here's what he said. He's got what it takes. There's no doubt in my mind. I think our guys feel it. They feel his presence. Do players actually feel this way about guys when they don't get their shot? Have you been in situations before when coaches have brought young guys along slowly, but you're seeing there's a player or a coach thinking, well, this guy needs to play. He needs to get in the game. He's going to help us win. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, have you guys ever heard of Ryan Gomes? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan was a guy, you know, when he, when he came on to Providence, my, so it was my senior year. And he was a freshman, and you know Tim Walsh, you know he was a, he wanted to redshirt him. You know I thought I'm like man, this kid is too good for us not to have him. You know what I mean? I want to have a great, I want to have a good senior season. You know what I mean? And you know just his presence on the floor, you know during practice, during during pickup, you know uh, preseason. I'm just like man, this kid's gonna be great. But Tim Walsh had in his mind that he wanted to uh, to redshirt him. So I think we're about maybe eight, nine games into the season, maybe even more. And 
Ryan Gomes hadn't had one minute, you know, so we were down in South Carolina playing South Carolina. We, you know, we were struggling. Man, he was like, Ryan. Ryan, like, pointed to himself, like, you, you talking to me? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he gets to the game, man. He had, like, 16 points, 13, 14 rebounds. He's been a walking double-double ever since, you know, throughout his college career and then, you know, ultimately making it to the NBA. But, I mean, he's one of those guys, man, that, that you know, you felt his presence on, on the floor. It's pretty impressive that Tim Welsh would have been, like, you know, thinking he was going to redshirt him and then eight games in being like, man, this just isn't the right decision. Like, we need it. We need a spark. Like, we need to play a guy. Because a lot of coaches are real stubborn, in my opinion, and, like, they just wouldn't do that, right? They wouldn't want to burn the red shirt on, on a guy like Ryan Gomes. But he had, like, I mean, he finished his career with, like, 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, Listen, right? He, like, I mean, he's... I think he's the, uh, I think he's the all-time leading scorer. If not, he's second. But if he would have had those eight, nine games, you know, he would have crushed it. You know what I mean? He was, um... I mean, he was unstoppable, man. You know, is just he, is he in the Providence Hall of Fame? Yeah, I, I need to make that call. He he is. <laughs> hey, we need to petition, though. I'm about to. I need a thousand signatures. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll get it going for you. <laughs> hop hop into our next segment, John. Uh, this is our city review. Um, so really, we just want you to kind of. You're taking me and Tyler a weekend. It's just us guys. We're you're taking us to Providence, Rhode Island. Tell us where we're going, what we're eating, everything like that. Providence? Oh, man. Yeah, well, we're actually, it's probably your Hall of Fame induction weekend, yeah. and, and we're there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. that. We got to get it done. But uh, <laughs> if we go to Providence, I mean, we have to hit up on, um, well, hopefully we can go when I have Providence water fire. You know, it's like a, a beautiful time where, you know, the mayor, I uh, think, he passed away, uh, but he he started and kind of had it like a, you know, like an Italian theme, you know, where the uh, they have you know like the fire on the water and the, uh, the gondola rod and and people just come down. They have the worldly music and you know it's like a big festival every weekend, you know, along the river, along the little uh, river in the city. I mean, it's 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 amazing, you know. So hopefully we can get to Providence during that time and then uh, go to dinner at uh, maybe Siena. Siena restaurant, you know, all all paid by Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Man, we might have to dip in. You, you, you're the one that's got all the real estate properties <laughs> that are just sending you checks in your mailbox every every week. You know, I don't, I don't have that sort of mailbox money that real wealthy people like you I wish, have. I wish, man. <laughs> but no, Providence is Providence is a heck of a city, though, man. You know, um. The people are great. You know, they treated me great. You know, even last year when I was up at Brown, man, they, uh, you know, I got a lot of support from the from the from the fans. They still remember me. Anytime I went out to a restaurant or anywhere, they, uh, oh, Linehan, man, we're a great player. So, you know, it was. How about John? If if we got to go to one spot and you're taking you're taking the two of us to one spot to get a like a drink or a beer, like where are we going? Oh, uh, man, I don't I don't drink, man. That's, I'm just saying that that's, on. Uh, that's a shame. We might, we might, we might. Are we getting Italian? No, they got a spot in. No, they got a spot in Providence called uh uh the rooftop, rooftop lounge. You know, and it's uh pretty pretty cool, man. It's on top of a big building. You know, um, you know, but it's a great great ambiance. You know, great great you know people. You know, nice nice looking people, and you know it's a nice crowd. 
All right, all right. So Smalls, uh, oh, I'm I'm doing it, I guess. So ten touches, John. These this is the last segment. Uh, these are rapid fire answers. All right, so we got ten questions, thirty second answers. Okay. So I got the first thirty second answer. Thirty seconds. I got the first. I, I got the first question. Who's the all funniest right. uh, teammate you teammate you ever played with? Funniest teammate. Um, man, I, I've played with some funny jokers, man. Um, I would say in college it was probably the kid, uh, this kid, uh, Mark Jarrell Wright. You know, he's uh he's actually the head of the firm now. Um, but he was, he was a funny joker, man. In overseas, in in France, I played with this guy, uh, Jamal Schuler from Virginia, from uh, VCU. Man, this guy, you know, he have you laughing all all night long. All right. Uh, what is the worst basketball travel experience you ever had? Uh, I was with Providence, and we were going down to play Texas. And it was a problem with the flight. So I think it was a Sunday game, CBS game. We flew down the, the, the night before. And half the team, like, so they, we had to split up. It was a problem with the flight, so half the team had to fly on one, one flight and uh you know, the other half had to fly on uh, another uh, another plane. So we just got down. There was maybe about five of us. The starters was on on one one airplane, and then the the, the other guys had to come back. You know, maybe the next morning on the uh, on the other other flight. Needless to say, we got our butts kicked. You know, that was uh, what's the guard that was at um Milwaukee? Um, T.J. Ford. T.J. Ford. No, he was. That's probably the toughest guard I had to, had to play against in college. Also, really, yeah, he was. He was. He was special. So we had. We didn't have like all our guys were tired. You know, it was a tough travel day, and you know we had to play them on CBS the next the next morning. Can you believe that? <laughs> did did not go well, huh? Did not go well. They kicked our ass. Uh, what is the? What was the one? If if you had to pick one thing, what was the best part about living overseas? Just man, honestly, um, the people, you know, the, the people were great, man. I, um, you know, at first I was in Paris, you know, uh, my first year and a half, and you know, the people were just awesome to me. You know, it's like, funny too because people say that like French people aren't very nice, like yep. that they don't really like Americans, so that's surprising to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it was uh, they they get that rap, they get a bad rap, and and it's it's warranted because they can be rude to you. But once you get past that initial rudeness and, and they really get to know you, man, they're some of the best people in the world. All right. what uh, We ask this to every coach because coaches love to read. What's your favorite book? Oh, man, I haven't read a book in a long time. But, oh, no. You're not gonna, you can't be a head coach then if, if, you, know, if you're right? not a guy that's like telling people what books to read. <laughs> but now, nah, uh, Coach, you know, he got us uh, <clears throat> reading this book or I have to start reading the book. It's called Chase the Lion. You know what I mean? Don't let the lion chase you. Chase the lion. You know, and it's about like, you know, don't let something happen to you. You know, you you go out there and you, you know, you uh you you forge your own destiny, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, John, we're starting our own uh on the eventually on a podcast, a book club. So we might put that book out there and then have you come on and talk about it. You need to do a book report. Yeah, you kill a mockingbird. <laughs> that's last one for me uh you played for sam rines in aau and, and bobby jordan told us one of the funniest aau stories ever hold about on, playing hold for on, hold on. but before before we uh 
get to that question. Bobby Jordan is so hell-bent on Roman basketball, right? He thinks Roman is Roman high school, Roman Catholic high school is the best school to ever grace the planet. And I'm trying to tell him that Ch their tradition has nothing on Chester's tradition, man. You know what I mean? So if he's not going Huh? He said they own Chester. Man. He said they listen, own Chester. They never wanted to play us. Yeah. Here's what I know, John, that if we had somebody from Roman, like we had Bobby, we had somebody from Chester like you, they'd say Chester was the best. If we got someone from Newman Goretti, they'd tell me Newman was the no, best. No, you can't even if put Newman. Hold up. First, you can't even put Newman in the same breath with either one of those schools. I mean, the la the, I mean, but they're smaller, so, too. I hear yeah, PW would tell us that they were the best. You know, we get John Salmons on here. Well, John yeah. Salmons? We, we get lower more. guys from Lower Marion. We get Ryan Brooks on here. They tell us Lower Marion was the best, you know? Listen, listen, we can call Chucky. We can call Johnny. All them dudes, we whooped their ass in high school. Yeah, you did. Actually, in 1996, yep. I was at that game. Uh, you won by eight points. I believe it was 68-60, something like that. You did slow down Chuck Moore, John Sounds, Gene Shipley was off that day. Yeah. I remember. This, they, they always going to be off when they go against Chuck. Say off that day. They going they, they off. Period. Oh, they won the state championship. No, no, no. Kobe no got us that year. No, 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 no. Wait, that year? 96, that was, they beat us. Okay. So ninety seven. That was when like Kobe okay. that was when Kobe broke his broke his nose and like they were gonna play Coatesville and then he like beat the crap like he threw the mask down. Greg Downer tells the story all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I you know, I, I'm not really a, a lower Marion apologist altogether. All I'll just say like <laughs> if if I was, you know, my time in Philly, you know, the eight years that I was there, Chester was always really, really good. I yeah. mean I watched him blast like when Rondé's team I watched him kill lower Marion I think BJ right. Johnson was the best player on that team I watched him kill him at the Leah Core Center so like yeah. you know and, and the private school scene is, and, is but look look and all our guys are from Chester you know That's, Roman Roman got guys from yeah. all over the country you know what I mean so <laughs> yeah well <laughs> they got right. guys from every part of Philly you know it's but I, I love you know I think those guys they do a great job I'm just busting chops but uh they, they can't touch Chester's tradition, man. It, what, so getting back to you playing for Sam Rines, what was the best or like the craziest AAU playing experience you were a part of? You know, playing with a team of guys, with, with pros and guys like that. You were going all around the country. Man, I'll never forget. Um, we were down at Charlie Weber, and we were, we were juniors. So Kobe, myself, Rip, we were all juniors. And Tim Thomas, we were playing against um, – I think they were Patterson Catholic, Patterson, the Patterson team, whatever they were at the time. You know, J uh, Jimmy Salmons was the uh, they were was the team player. That. They weren't the players then. I forget what they were. Yeah, they were something before that. I forget. But um, so Kobe was my roommate, you know, on the road. You know what I mean? So when I tell you, like, his – I knew he was going to be great, you know, just from rooming with him. You know, I was a kid. You know, I wanted to play video games. You know, uh, up until two o'clock in the morning, you know, we got to get up for a nine o'clock game, you know, like like any other kid. But Kobe, man, lights out eight thirty, nine o'clock, you know, and I'm like, dude, like, you don't want to uh, you don't want to go outside. You don't want to go run the streets. You know what I mean? <laughs> Kobe was serious, man. You know, and that's why he's one. Of, that's why he ended his career as one of the best ever. But <clears throat> getting to the story, uh, we get to the game and. Uh, we start the game. Tim Thomas wasn't there in the first quarter. 
you know, he had an appearance for something somewhere else. So we in the first quarter and, you know, we're in a huddle. I'm sitting next to Kobe and I hear like a, this roar, you know, it's like, you know, the, the crowd was getting, you know, was, was like, I saw her was like, oh. so somebody kind of opened, opened the, the, the huddle. Oh man, that's guy. But <laughs> so, so look, somebody's kind of opened the huddle and, you know, we can kind of see what was going on. <clears throat> so Tim Thomas just came through the crowd. When I tell you Kobe, like you just saw he got antsy, like his knees was jumping and his, his he was like, you know, clamp, like, you know, rubbing his hands together and just he couldn't wait to get out on the floor. Man, when I tell you Kobe, that's when I realized like he was going to be something special. He went, he killed Tim Thomas' team. Like, even Rip, like you had to give him the basketball. You know, if I didn't, I can only score on the defensive end. So if I didn't get a steal, I wouldn't have any points. You know, so even Rip, like Rip come down, he got to pass that thing to Cole. Cole running to the basketball, like, give me the ball. You know what I mean? He just, like you saw, you saw greatness that day. Man, I wish somebody would have recorded that game. All right, getting to the next question. Pre-game routine, and this maybe we'll get two different sides of it. Pre-game routine as a player and now as a coach? Uh, as a pro or as a college, what? Whatever you did to Whatever get ready you for want. a game. Yeah, uh, get ready for a game. You know, um, when outside of the court, like when I was after, you know, pre-game you know, shoot around, shoot around the morning of the game. You know, I just came home and uh, just relaxed, you know, got off my feet. You know, I made sure I ate about three times uh, throughout the day. Made sure I was, um, I slept, you know, in a, in a dark room to just clear my mind, you know, uh, kind of uh, relax a little bit and get, get my mind away from basketball. Um, but, you know, just spending time with my son during that time, you know, you can only kind of, you know, clear your mind from everything else. Um, and then be ready for the game. But as a coach, if it's if it's my scout, you know, if I have to prepare the team for that game, then I'm I'm watching a lot of film, you know. So I may not even get a, you know, get any sleep before the game because I'm I'm just watching a lot of film, making sure I didn't miss anything, you know. Uh, you know, looking at the special situations, uh, you know, knowing all the out of bounds, their calls, and different things like that. So. You know, it's a, it's a big difference from playing and coaching, boy, believe me. Yeah. What's your least favorite drill? Workouts, practices, clinics. What's your least favorite drill of all time? Least favorite? Yeah. Is um, probably rebounding drill. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't yeah, bode well for you. We used to do this drill in, in college. It was like a toughness drill. And it was just like a free fall, you know. So there's no way I'm going to get a rebound against two other big guys. So I'm in the drill the whole damn time, you know what I mean? Trying to, because uh, you got to score twice to get out. So man, I'm I'm fighting like hell trying to get a rebound so I can score. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear you. So yeah. that probably is my least favorite. All right. If you could change one thing about college basketball, what would it be? Uh, college basketball, I would change, um, I mean, there, there are uh, a few things probably I would change, but I think we should go to quarters. 
you know, I, I would like I'd like to see four quarters. Um I would like to see um maybe a shorter shorter shot clock, you know, more like the pro. You know, cuz every, everywhere everywhere in the in the world they play four quarters and they play with a uh 25 second shot clock or 24 second shot clock. You know, so what's your favorite high school basketball memory at Chester? Favorite high school basketball memory is uh winning the state title in um in 90, 94 probably. No, that was um no, we had a great team that year. And uh, I think we beat Erie Prep in the final. You know, and they were loaded. You know what I mean? So just kind of overcoming you know, all the adversity um that we had during that time though to, to win it was was good. Who who's the better basketball player, you or notable Chester alum, Jameer Nelson? Is that a serious question, man? Um I'm I'm hundred percent serious. <laughs> I want to hear your answer and then I want to tell him. <laughs> I mean, I will always say that I'm the best. Okay. You know what so, I mean? But like I said, you know. So you're calling him out. Listen, we played we played one-on-one. <laughs> we played one-on-one before. You need to call him and ask him who won that. All right. We'll, we'll do a little special episode. <laughs> All right. Last last two questions, John. Uh, kind of for everybody out there listening. We, we ask these to everybody. Same two questions. Uh, what's the best advice anyone's ever given you? Um... I would say um just be humble. You know, don't get too too full of yourself. You know, uh you know, just just stay humble, you know, uh keep your head to the ground. You know what I mean? Don't get too too uh what is it? Too happy for the highs or get too low, get too down when you when it's low, you know what I mean? Um so just just be humble and and, and work hard. All right, you're face to face with your 19 year old self. What do you tell him? Maybe what do you tell him to do differently? Um, you know what I mean is I don't regret anything, you know. And maybe it's um it's a fool to say that, you know. But I think I've lived, I've done. I mean, I've had a great life, man. You know, just coming from where I've come from and and doing and seeing the things that I've seen. You know what I mean? It's uh. I've been blessed, man. You know, um, you know, obviously you make bad decisions growing up, you know, um, but all in all, man, I've, you know, I have a great family, you know, great mother, brother, sister, you know, um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what I would tell probably to read more books. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're going to do that. Right. We're starting that now. So. We're good. Uh, well, John, we appreciate you taking the time. You know, you, you might be getting fired when you when you call John Gallagher, Coach right. John Gallagher, and, and ask him about the uh, the scrimmage. So we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really good stories. I'm glad we could finally do this. So thanks for all you know your insights and and joking around with us for a little while. We had a great time. Yeah. So we'll talk to you soon, John. Okay. Thanks, man. And I appreciate you guys, man. And uh, tell Bobby Jordan that Chester is way better than Roman. <laughs> we're, we're gonna tell him. All right, man. All right, John. Have a good night, man.